How we doing? Good. Good? Great? Broken? A little bit? All right, good. We're in the right place. Uh, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, uh, turn to Galatians chapter 1. So if you're thinking, well, where is Galatians? Uh, Galatians is in the New Testament. This is actually um, we're, what we're going to be spending the next roughly 12 weeks on. And I say roughly because um, just like Sunday school this morning, I had an idea that we were going to uh, go through the story of David and Goliath, and we are still stuck in the Valley of Elah. Uh, so we only made it up until the, the, the first part, but that's all right. We had a, we had a good time. Uh, so with this, I, I got it planned out for the next 12 weeks, and we'll see how, um, how things move. But um, what, what I want to do today is, is I want to give you an introduction to um, the, the series, but also an introduction to the book of Galatians. Now, uh, if you are taking notes, this whole series, it, I have a title for it, and this title is going to help us um, keep all of the, the pieces, and when I say the pieces, the, the sermons, um, in, in one straight focus, and the, the book itself does that. But I, I think that it's, it's a good reminder on a, on a weekly basis and also um, throughout the week because I know you all go back through your notes and you guys listen to the podcast and everything and you're like, I can't get enough. I know that. You, are we alive today? Amen. <laughs> okay, it's something. I, I know Matt's the one that puts them up. So, um, But no, what I want us to do is I want us to, to uh, continue and really to develop a, a, a new way of thinking about something. And maybe it's a renewed way. Um, but we're going to be talking about grace uh, over the next few weeks, and we're going to be talking about uh, legalism as well. Uh, so w- when you look at the, the, the title it's up, on, up on the screen right now, Galatians, Living Free Under the Gospel of Grace. Now, some of you are like, well, wait a second. If, it's, if we're living free, how are we under something? This really was sparked because, um, uh, as we're going to see in the weeks to come, that we are no longer uh, held by the curse of the law. We are no longer under the curse of the law, but we are under grace. Now, grace is not something that is uh, burdensome, but it is, it is a weight in which we need to be able to feel. So um, this, this series is going to have a focus of this, and the whole focus throughout the series is this, understanding the gospel of grace so that we can live free from the bondage of legalism. Now, some will say, well, I'm not a, a, a legalist. Okay. No one, and I think we talked about this as elders this morning, no one, I believe, maybe some, some of you, and if so, we're going to cast out demons in a minute. Um, the visitors are like, pinch the kid, we got to go. No. No, but, but, but no one, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be a legalist today. Well, what happens is we, we, we slowly fade into these legalistic ideas and, and we become trapped in, in them. Sometimes what we need is somebody to, to smack us uh, um, upside the head, not your healed kind of smack, but more of a two-by-four kind of smack. <laughs> smack us upside the head and say, hey, buddy, hey, sister, hey, brother, whatever, look what's going on. And I hope that this series is kind of like that for us. Because I think we all have a tendency to fall into uh, certain aspects uh, of legalism. And what we need to understand, and we're going to talk about in a second, is legalism is a distortion of the gospel. And I don't believe anybody in here wants to distort the gospel, because if we distort the gospel, what we're saying is God's word and God's plan is not sufficient, but mine is. Anybody want to, anybody want to row up that stream? 
No, no, no one wants to say, well, I'm better than God, I got this figured out, and he doesn't. So, this is what Paul, the apostle, is um, encountering, and he's writing against here in the churches of Galatia. Now, when you're, you're here, let me, uh, I'm going to read a, a few verses, and I want to give you a little background. So, <clears throat> verse 1, Paul, an apostle... And not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Now, when it says all the brothers, it's not just only the boys club. That word in the Greek means all the brothers and sisters, all of the fellowship here that is with me, we're writing to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Now, as we, as we kind of pull back a little bit the, the veil here, as we're going to unpack um, this, this, this uh, uh, book, which is actually a letter, so the Apostle Paul is writing this letter. We're, we're, next week we're going to really... Um, I'm going to break down who the Apostle Paul is a little bit more. But know that, that, that for some of you are like, yeah, I know who the Apostle Paul is. He was Saul of Tarsus and all that thing happened. And now he's you know, the Apostle. Great. But understand this is, is a man sent by God for a specific purpose. And his specific purpose that, that he has and that is very evident here of, of this book, of why he's writing this book, is because he planted churches throughout this region called Galatia. Now, uh, when Paul wrote this book, um, it was about uh, it was it was it was roughly around uh, say 48, 49, probably closer to 49 A.D. For some of you you you, you uh, uh, geeky people in here like me, you're like, okay, I like that because I can kind of place it in my timeline here. Um, so it's it's right around 49 A.D. and they they understand the, 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 or we understand that that it is this time because it has to be after his first missionary journey. Um, for, for us to understand when his first missionary journey was, you can kind of, uh, you don't have to, but if you wanted to, to flip back to Acts, uh, the, the book of Acts, and look at um, chapter 13, 13, 14, and, or 13 and 14, it ends right there before you come into 15. This talks about the first missionary, uh, missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had three missionary journeys. Some would argue that it was actually four um, because when he was uh, imprisoned at the, end, at the end of his life, he actually went to Rome and they consider that a missionary journey, but um, it was not under his own power <laughs> that he went there. So, but he had three missionary journeys. This is right after the first one. And, and the reason that this is important is because of um, the, the, where he went. Now, I, had, I, I have a, a slide here to show you to give you kind of a, an idea of, of where these churches are. Did that slide come up, Mike, or did it not come through? There we go. So to give you a little bit of an idea of, of, of where these churches are geographically, um, to you know, so we can understand like like what's going on a little bit. Uh, a better, I mean, and, and you can do this on your own. Look in the back of your Bible, and, and if some of you are like what what's in the back of my Bible, there's there's maps. 
There's pictures in your Bible, right? As Bobby just said. Leave it to Bobby. Right. There are pictures in your Bible, and if you have a map that says Paul's first and second missionary journeys, you're going to see a portion of this same, um, or this, this map that's up on your screen is, is a portion uh, of this map that's in the back of your Bible. Now, what, what I want to, to draw attention to is when it says here, and you guys can look there, I'll just read this. When it says to the churches of Galatia, it's talking about, if you look, it's uh, kind of hard to see on this part. Um, is, can we zoom out on that, or does that not zoom out, Mike? It can't? Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if, you look, if you're looking in the back if you, in, of your Bible there, you can kind of see that there's the, the, this swath of land that, that starts all the way up at the, the, close to the Black Sea. It doesn't go all the way, but close to the Black Sea there. And it comes down through, and if you're looking at that, that's modern-day Turkey. And if we're, we, we look at there, there's Galatia that kind of comes down through, then it, it kind of expands a little bit. Well, that's the area which they're, they're, uh, that these churches are. And these churches that, that he's writing to specifically are churches in Antioch, which there's a couple different Antiochs in the Bible, but this is Antioch in uh, uh, Pis- Pisidia, or Pisidia um, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. So these are the churches that he um, is writing to. So geographically, you can kind of think, like this Antioch that you see up on the screen... It's not the Antioch church in which he is writing to. It's probably where he's writing from. Different Antioch, which is actually right up in the, right out on the top left-hand corner where you can't see that. So Antioch of Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. These are the churches in which Paul, on his missionary journey, he went and he planted these churches. He started these churches. So what we have, what we have uh, immediately is we understand that Paul has some vested interest in uh, these churches that he's writing these, these letters to. Um, think of this letter as their, their uh, main form of communication. Uh, they didn't have the internet, even though, the, I, I mean, because Al Gore wasn't even alive then, right? Ah, come on, right? Everybody's been cursing Al Gore for, for this global warming that we had last week too, right? <laughs> Bad jokes, I get it. But understand that the, the letter, this is the, the main way in which he would be communicating or the communication would happen uh, throughout the, uh, the, the, the early, this early times here. So when he's writing this letter, he's writing it to these churches. Now think of it like a, a letter coming to um, a, 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 the church in, in Antioch, and then they would read it, and then they would actually uh, copy it. They didn't have a copy machine, so they hand, hand wrote it. How do we have tens of thousands of copies of the manuscript of the New Testament? It's because of things like this, where a letter of Paul would come to a church, and they would take the time, and a scribe would sit down and copy it letter for letter. So they would have a copy of it, then they would send the letter on to another church, and they would do the same, and then they would send the letter on to another church. So at minimum, this letter is going around to the circuit of churches, these four, and there's, there may have been some in between, but we know of these four specifically. So what we, what we see here is when he's talking about these churches, this is a pretty large area in which is being encompassed here. Now... It's not just where he, he's, he's writing this to. It's why he's, he's writing this, this letter. What Paul was doing... Now, mind you, his first missionary journey, if you were to 
uh, do a little bit of, of, um, of, of study and, and uh, uh, match up like uh, different dates and not only um, biblical dates but also historical dates. You can kind of find out when the time frame of, of Paul's journeys were um, by certain words and who was in power and, and what regions and everything. But what we understand uh, the time frame for Paul's first missionary journey was between um, 47 and 48 AD. So, so think about this. Um, it wasn't very long before, because remember, if he wrote this letter in 49, it was just a, a year or two removed when he actually planted these churches. So why is that important? Because of, 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 the, of what he is addressing in this, in, in this letter here, the, the main theme that he's addressing, it didn't take long for heresy. Heresy is a teaching, a, a, it's a false teaching against orthodox uh, doctrine, the, the, the doctrine of the Bible. So it didn't take long for heresy to creep into the church. So, so, so think about this. We are almost 2,000 years removed from the, uh, the, the beginning of, of, of the church, right? So how would we think that we're any better in thinking like, well, this doesn't happen to us today. The churches that the Apostle Paul himself started had troubles within 12 to 24 months after uh, he left. And it wasn't just the Apostle Paul. Barnabas was with him. He had his whole entourage. So what we understand is this is very, very, very applicable, very important for us to understand what is going on here. So what happened, and this is usually how it happens, what happened is after Paul planted these churches in in these cities here, this group of Jews either were already in the church and kind of rose up inside the church, or were outside the church and came into the church, and they said things like, okay, you can, if you're going to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, then you have to abide by the law of Moses as well. Because what we have in these, these regions here was they were mostly Gentiles, so they didn't, they already they did not believe, uh, or, or I, should, I should say, abide by the law of Moses, which the Old Testament is, is all about. What they, they, they were, where they were Gentiles, just like you and I. And, and what, what, what happens is the, these Jewish, um, they could have been believers, they could not have been, because I think that, as we'll see in a second, they could have been well-intending, but they, they, they weren't. Uh, ultimately. But they, they crept into the church and said, all right, fine. You're going to believe in Jesus. You have to believe in Jesus and follow the law of Moses. Uh, primarily, you have to be circumcised. That was a, a, a physical um, a, 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 um, symbol, that, that if, a physical result of, um, and I'm not explaining circumcision. Ask your parents if you're in here, you don't know. Um, just saying. Or watch, uh, what's that movie? Robin Hood, Men in Tights. <laughs> you remember that scene in there, little guillotine? Anywho. <clears throat> yeah, I know, right? But there was this group that came in, and this group that came in said, you had to do this. You, it was Jesus plus, and we're going to see how that, that's not, that, that's not what, what the Bible says. But after Paul and Barnabas left this region, these Jewish Christians came in, and they started teaching this. And, and what they, they said is that you had to practice both faith in Christ and Jew, Jewish law. 
And, and, and as, we, as we'll, we'll find out here in a second, that that is what is understood as legalism. Now, when I'm saying words like legalism, some of you may, have, may think, well, I was raised in a church that was legalistic. Okay, I'm not bashing on any, on any denomination or any church or anything. Here's what I want to do. And this has been, this has been a struggle for me uh, coming into the, the, this sermon series. And I've been talking with the elders about how, how to do this. Because I, I believe that uh, what we have, and, I, and, and as I close my eyes and I, I think about this, we have legalism on one side. Think of a, of a pendulum, like a, 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 um, a, a pendulum swinging. We have legalism as a mark on one side, and we have liberalism as a mark on the other side. And what we have a tendency to do is, and I'll say I, what I have a tendency of do is, to do is, like, I want that pendulum to swing more towards the legalism side because I can teach legalism and that stuff better because it's more cut and dry, and we can say, hey, we need to do this and we don't need to do that. But what happens is when we, when we, when we swing towards legalism, we're, we're swinging further away from freedom. And, when I, and that's where I, I think where liberalism is the extreme opposite side where, well, you can live however you want. You can do whatever you want. And, you know, God's going to love you anyway. So we'll talk about that. But what I think that we need to, we need to understand is we need to have a balance in the middle. And the balance in the middle, I think the best way in which to describe that was an analogy that, believe it or not, Jake gave me. Um, I think he stole it from somewhere. <laughs> but think of the middle, of, that's where grace is. And think of a magnet that is there that's drawing, uh, there's power, there's, there's the magnetic field that's drawing us into a balance there to understand how we are to live a balanced life between legalism and liberalism where we can be most fruitful. And like we're going to explain over the course of uh, these upcoming weeks, we can live free under the gospel of grace. This is the struggle that was going on in this church where you had these, these people that were new, new Christians. Remember, 12 months to, to 24 months, they were new Christians. And they're dealing with, with, with something that, that, that these other people were coming in saying that, that, that you had to love God and, or if you really love God, that you would believe in Jesus and do something else. But like I said, no one that I know of wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be a, a legalist today. Is anybody in there like that? We'll cast you out right now. Um, which would be legalism, right? <laughs> that would be a display. No, but I, I think that what we need to do is we need to uh, take a moment and, and, and reflect, and as we go through these, these three aspects of legalism, because that's what we're going to do, I'm going to go through three aspects of, of legalism. As I go through these, ask yourself, am I doing this now, or have I done this in the past, or am I in the process of going to get ready to do this? Because I, I, there is no one that is outside uh, or that is perfect that like, well, no, I'm good. I, I'm all washed clean and, and I'm not a legalist. Well, you may be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And, and I believe that, 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 that the most of these Judaizers probably were too, but they, they just befuddled things. But what we need to do is we need to understand that if, if, if legalism is a distortion of the gospel, then we want to be aware if we're distorting the gospel, Right? If you know something to be true, 
and somebody is telling you something that's not true, that, that, that opposes your truth, you want to like, no, nah, I want to make sure that this person understands that that's a distortion of the truth. No one in here is like that, right? I can point out a bunch of yous. <laughs> because the, the, what happens is when I make a mistake or you think that I've done something wrong, y'all tell me. I guess hey, it comes with the, 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 the hat, right? It's okay, but I, I think that, okay, take that same uh, uh, um, zealousness and let's apply that to the gospel. And this is what's happening here, and let's look at, at defining legalism. All right, three things. All right, we ready? The first one. And as I, I wrote these, I tried to write them in like order of importance, but then after I wrote them, I'm like, it doesn't work that way. They, they, don't, they don't work out that way because they, 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 one may be more important, more prevalent in your life than the other. And so these are in no specific order except for me and my flow of notes. So anyhow, first one, working according to your own rules. Now, when I'm saying working, just think of um, uh, a living, you could also say living for God, right? So living for God or working according to your own rules. No one in here, I know that this is probably none that's applicable to anybody in here. No one in here would impose their own rules and say, well, God will allow me to do this and God allows me to do that. Well, this is exactly what the, the, the legalists were doing. They were saying it was Jesus plus following the law. No one in here is going to say, well, no, we don't believe that anymore. Here's what you have to be aware of. Jesus plus anything. Jesus plus anything. Now hear me when I say this. Jesus plus going to church. Jesus plus reading my Bible. Jesus plus praying. Jesus plus giving. Are, are any of those things bad? No. In and of themselves, they're not bad. Just like the law is not bad. But when we add anything to Jesus as, as being needed for our salvation, that's where legalism comes in. Because what we're doing is we're, we're adding to God's grace. We're, 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 what we're doing is we're saying, okay, what you've done, God, is good, but just not enough. No one would want to say that, right? A lot of you live like that, though. Like, I, I have to do this, and I have to do that. Well, we'll get there in a second. But, but understand that any time we add anything, even if it's the most sacred or religious activity, Anytime we add anything to Jesus and look at that as our salvation, it's wrong. It's a distortion of the gospel. Now, when I say it's a distortion of the gospel, what we need to do is we need to understand what the gospel is, right? I've said this for years now, so we can have a linear thinking here, and then we can abstract it and pull from it as we go. But the gospel is the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. So it's good news, but it's of God's redemptive plan. It's God's plan. It's not your plan. It's not my plan. It's not the church's plan. It's no one's plan but God's plan. But what we do is when we attach things to it, we're saying that, you know what? I'm going to work according to my own rules. The second thing, working 
in our own power. Uh, to, to be honest with you, I think that this is a little bit more prevalent than the, than the first. Because I, I think that, that um, we are so scared to uh, um, not break a, a, a rule of God that we, that we, we, we're, we're, we, we like kind of confine ourselves. Well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. So, oh, wait a second, I'm just, I, I just don't want, to, I don't want to, to, to make up my own rules. I'm going to follow all God's rules. But what we have a, a tendency of doing is thinking that we follow God's rules under our own power. What do you mean, Lee? Well, let me give it to you like this. The Bible is very clear. It's for by grace you've been saved through faith, right? It's not not your own doing, but it's a gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? That's the next uh, book. We're going to go through Ephesians after we're done with uh, um, Galatians, but it'll it'll be a while. Um, but understand that, 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 uh, that, that we are, are, are saved by grace. Understand that, that, that this um, working in our own power, what we have a tendency of doing is saying, yes, I am saved by the shed blood of Jesus. And then i got to work like heck trying to get my sanctification. Right? i got to work really hard to, to, to be, become more and more and more and more like Christ. Well, if you are working on your own, you're distorting the gospel. Wait a second, Lee, now I'm really confused. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Absolutely, he does. Absolutely, he says, if you love me, that you'll obey my commandments. But what he also says, that he gives us a helper. He gives us the paraclete. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can obey his commandments. What, we have, what, what I'm saying here, that is, if we live as if God saved us, which is true, but we, we walk as if it's on our own power, we're distorting the gospel. What we're saying is, God, you're good enough to, for, to save me for eternity, but you're not good enough for my everyday life. Again, no one in here is going to say that, right? You're not going to wake up in the morning and say that. Maybe you thought it. So if we're working on our own power, we're, 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 dist- we're distorting the gospel. Because then what we're essentially doing, again, is we're adding to it. We're adding to that, okay, God, thank you. We look at the cross as Jesus is there. Thank you, Jesus. But, I mean, yes, you can save me from, from hell, but have you seen my coworker? I, I think that that's the spawn of Satan himself, right? So, but, but we need to understand that the same power that, that saves us is the same power that sustains us. But the, what the Judaizers were doing here in this church, they were saying that, okay, Jesus will, will save you, but you've got to work like heck under the law to be sanctified, to become more and more like Him. Again, and in the weeks to come, we're going to explain the beauty of the law. Don't, don't hear right now that the, the law has no purpose. If, if you hear me say that the law has no purpose, then stone me because I'm a heretic. The, the, the law is beautiful. The law is pure. The law is righteous. The law is just. That's what Paul says. What he's saying, and, 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 and as you read this week, I know because everybody's going to read ahead in Galatians, when you get to, to chapter 3, you're going to see that we're no longer under the curse of the law. Well, that, that's the point here. We're not under the curse of the law. That doesn't mean the law is abolished. Jesus himself said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So, Working according to your own rules and working according to your own power. Those are both aspects of legalism. And some of you are like, I'm guilty. Okay, don't use that 
that, that conviction of, of guilt in, in your life as something as a tool for the devil to, to hold you down. Use it as a spurning, as, a, as an awakening from the Holy Spirit to say, okay, I need to do better in these areas. And I can do better because, wait a second, I'm not doing it on my own power. God has given me the, 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 the helper. If you don't believe me, look in, uh, don't look now, but write it down and go to uh, John 14, John 15, and John 16. Just read it for yourself. But understanding that we are not to do, excuse me, life on our own, under our own power. Which brings me here to the next one, the third one, which uh, I don't know if this is, is the, the, the most, but it, it, I think it's, in society, maybe not in the church, but in society, I think a lot of people uh, think this. Working to earn God's favor. If you work to earn God's favor. Now remember, we said like um, prayer, Bible reading, coming to church, serving, loving whatever. You know, it, what, what, all of these things are, are, are good, but if we're doing these things to say, hey God, look, I'm reading my Bible every day. Look, God, I'm praying every day. Look, God, I have perfect church attendance. I, no one in here can say that, but anyhow. Just, I'm just playing. Look, God, look how much money I give to the church, God. Don't you love me more? If, if that's your mindset, you don't understand grace. Because here, here, here's the deal. Let's answer the question, what is grace? Because um, I think you've seen for eight, nine years now, a tattoo on my arm says grace. Why did you do that? No, it's not an old girlfriend. <laughs> I've been asked that, right? No, it's not. It's, it's exactly what, what you don't want to, the answer that you don't want from me. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. So if, you're, if you've ever been asked that and ever been asked, like, and you struggle, like, how do I explain God's grace? Well, it's His unmerited favor. What does that mean? It means it's something you don't deserve, but He's given it to you nonetheless. So unmerited favor, what does it mean, merited? Well, I don't know what a demerit is, right? <laughs> when you do something wrong, you get a demerit in school, right? But, but a merit is like, I'm... I'm achieving things, and as I achieve things, then, oh, I, I should get stuff, right? Well, if God's grace is dependent upon what you do, then it's not grace, because grace is the unmerited favor of God. Well, you're repeating yourself, Lee. Absolutely, because too many of you try to earn God's favor, too many of you worry about, am I falling out of favor with God? You never fell into favor with God. <laughs> he, he, he's the one that chose you first. He's the one that said, Jake. <laughs> ah, he's mine. <laughs> right, right. I love, I love, 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 love what Charles Spurgeon says about the, this whole understanding about God choosing me. And we'll talk more in, in Ephesians, but... God said, or, or Spurgeon said that I know that God chose me before I was born because he definitely wouldn't have chosen me afterwards. <laughs> this guy, right? So understand it, that, that grace, if we, if we are saying, I've got to earn God's favor, you, you, you've totally missed the point of the grace of God. Now, I, I wrote this down, and I hope this, this will help you too to understand 
grace. So it is the un, unmerited favor of God. But I want to give you kind of a, a little extension here. Kind of like when you, when you uh, um, look up a word in the dictionary, it gives you the, the definition and it gives you kind of a little fragment of a sentence to understand it better. That's kind of like what this is. So grace is the unmerited favor of God, which is supremely expressed in the plan of redemption through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. It is supremely, the grace of God is supremely expressed in the plan of redemption through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. You, I, we do not, did not, cannot deserve what Christ did for us. But nonetheless, He did it. This is what I love because it helps me understand Romans 5, 8 that says that, but God shows His love in that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. God has unmerited favor towards His children. Now this is important because not all people are God's children. Well, I don't like that. Okay, again, that's what the Bible says. To be a child of God, it's putting faith in Jesus Christ, in His Son. To receive the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, is only possible by His his children. Well, some of you were saying, and and Kurt and I had this conversation too, well, but it says that it rains on, on the just and the unjust. Absolutely, that's common grace. But the special, the, the, the power, the unmerited favor for His children is special. It's not a common grace that's given to, to, to everyone. Now, I, I don't say that, well, oh, am, I, am I receiving God's grace? That, one, it's not up to me. Two, it's not up to you. It's up to God. And, and I, I believe this. I, I really do. I, I believe if, if someone is genuinely concerned about, am I one of God's chosen ones? What if I want to come into heaven and, he does, and I'm not chosen? If you, if I, or if, someone, if we're sitting here thinking like, am I a recipient of God's grace? And, and, and how's that? Uh, what happens if I don't? If you're thinking that question, you're a recipient of that special grace, of God's unmerited failure. Or failure. Oh! <laughs> not that. Failure if you don't, right? You're a recipient of God's unmerited failure favor it would be a failure for you to say well i want it but he won't give it to me no if it's a uh i was making sure that mike didn't put a picture up there of me or something he has a tendency of doing that but if you're back back to the but seriously if you're thinking about and i had this i had this same thought years ago like because i I was i was studying predestination election chosen all, 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 all that kind of stuff and I'm like, well, what happens? What, what if I'm if I want to believe in God and I want I, I want to put my trust in Him and I want to be with Him in heaven? I want to serve Him, but I'm just not one of the, the elect. I don't have a special E on my forehead or something. I, I, I struggle with that. And then I had a preacher tell me uh, very very clearly said that well, because you have that concern, it's a very clear indication that you are elect. Because if you, those who, who are not the, the, the recipients of God's unmerited favor, they're not going to have those questions because they don't care. 
So let me set some of your minds at ease here when you're thinking like, I want to receive God's grace and His unmerited favor, and I want that. Okay, that's an indication that the Holy Spirit is stirring inside of you or has already stirred inside of you and is reminding you, hey, buddy, hey, sister, whatever, hey, mister, whatever it is, vista, it's too far. But whatever, he's, he's reminding you, I'm here. And don't try to do this on your own power. Quit trying to, to, to um, uh, earn God's favor. Understand that it's, it's unmerited. There is nothing that you can do. I, I love this. I, I preached this years ago. I call it the gospel prayer. And it's a gospel reality. That there is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. Understand that? doesn't matter how, what you do. You could come up to me, and, and we could try this, but you could come up to me, hand me a check for $10,000 and say, here, this is what the church needs us. <laughs> Let's try it, but no, I'm just saying. <laughs> you could do that, and God's not going to love you anymore. Why? Because he already loves you unconditionally without limits. Now let's look at the opposite side of that. There is nothing that you can do to, to make God love you any less. There is not, but you don't understand. Instead of taking that $10,000 to the church, I took it and went gambling with it, and I lost it all. It doesn't matter. Hear me when I say that loosely. It doesn't matter what you then do. God's not going to look down and like, oh, Matt, I can't believe you did that. Man, I loved you at this percentage. Now I'm down to here. No, it says that God loves us unconditionally. It says we have unmerited favor. So, so I, I love that picture that no matter what I do, good or bad, that, 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 my, that, 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 that God's love for me is never, never going to change. Even when you think you messed up, even when, remember last week we talked about forgiveness, even when you don't forgive yourself or you don't forgive someone else, just think about this. God's love for you is not going to change. But all of that is dependent upon if you're a child of God's. Now understand that this is, this is a form of legalism. If I'm trying to earn God, you're not going to earn that. Legalism is a distortion of the gospel. We, we talked about that. Let's, let's move on. Whew. This might be a 13-week series. Legalism is a distortion of the gospel. Okay, move on. Verse 6. I want to get through verse 10 here. So, verse 6. Paul writes this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting, not deserting, yeah, dessert, like chocolate cream pie or something. No, I don't like chocolate. Uh, I am, unless they're like uh, ice cream sandwiches and caramel. I know, right? Woo, but yeah. But, but it's got to be, what, what is it? It's got to be Aldi's. Aldi's ice cream sandwiches. Is it Giant Eagle? It's Aldi's. I think it's Aldi's ice cream sandwiches. Anywho. Mm. I, I'm crawling back out of the rabbit hole. All right. Composure. Hey, Pastor Appreciation Month should be every month. Um, I am astonished. I am astonished. This is, this is Paul, as he, he's writing to this church, he, he's, he's expressing how he feels. I am astonished that you are so quickly, remember, 12 to 24 months, maybe even sooner, that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, if I were to stop there, we'd be like, wait a second, there's more than one gospel? No, he clearly says this in verse 8 or 7. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
So he's saying that, that, that there's no other gospel. Any, any uh, distortion of the gospel, and he's going to say here, which I preach to you, any distortion of that gospel is not the gospel. There is no other gospel. There is no other good news. And I love how he goes on. But even if we, he's talking about him, Barnabas, and his posse there, even if we, the one who planted the church, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Some of you will, will understand the term anathema. Let him be damned, is what he's saying here. Pretty harsh. Pretty harsh words. And I love that Paul uses harsh words in very serious circumstances. He says, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. He repeats himself. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Same word. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I love this where he says, you know what? Even if, 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 if Paul or if, if Barnabas and I come back to you and we, we preach you a different gospel, may we be accursed. But also, if an angel from heaven, right? That's what it says. Or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary. Let it be. So, so understand. I, I, the reason I love this is because there are two world religions that have this claim that an angel from heaven came and preached to them a gospel. It, can anybody tell me what those two? Mormonism. Mormonism and? Nope, Islam. Islam. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses just tried to fix what Christians have messed up over the years. That's their, their, their thought. But anywho, no, but, but if you look at, 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 at Islam... Muhammad had this dream, and the angel Gabriel gave him all this stuff, and his, uh, um, his, his wife, I think her name was Fadisha, uh, ended up having to write it down because Muhammad was illiterate and whatever. But they had a vision, a, a, an angel from heaven gave them this gospel. Same thing with Mormonism. Joseph Smith had this vision, this angel from, from heaven give him this gospel. It's almost, and, and please forgive me for my ignorance here, but it's almost as if Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit, knew that there were going to be things that happened, religions of, of the world trying to change what God has, what God set, set in place. Right? Some would be like, well, if an angel appeared to me, then, well, well, here's the deal. He's saying, if an angel appears to you, and the words that come out of that angel's mouth are contrary to the gospel, it's not an angel with a halo. <laughs> That's an angel with horns. It's demonic, very real. Still an angel from heaven because they're fallen angels, right? So understand that this is very important. Paul is saying here that there is one gospel. And the gospel that, 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 that is, that, that the one that we preach to you, is the only gospel. Some will say, as I did, well, what's that gospel? Really quick. I'll start landing the plane here. I know that you guys got big plans for the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's going to win again anyway, so... I don't care. doesn't matter to me. I will go to sleep and wake up tomorrow all the same if Tom Brady wins or not. I don't care. 
All right, what was the gospel that was preached to them? You have to read through 13 and 14, and you got to kind of put together um, the, the clarity here. But just for time purposes, look at, at chapter 13, uh, verses, uh, what did I write down here? Acts. Acts. Oh, sorry. Galatians 13. You're like, some of you are like, wait a second. They, I must have the wrong version because there's not there. <laughs> The Acts chapter 13, verses 37 through 39. Let me read this real quick. But he whom God raised, the he is Jesus, but he, Jesus, whom God raised up, did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. The gospel that was preached to, to, to this, these churches was that salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. By His completed work on the cross. By His death, His burial, His resurrection. Nothing else can be added to that. Nothing else can be added to it. If you add anything to it, then we're, we're distorting the gospel. And, and as Paul says, that those who do that Let them be accursed. No one in here wants that. Actually, I believe everyone in here wants the, the complete opposite. You want to please God. And, and because we're out of time, let me tell you this. The way in which you can please God the most, and I'll pick up on this next week because it, it's important. But the way in which you can please God the most is living under the gospel of grace. Saying that, I don't deserve it, but thank you for it. And in taking your highest degree of pleasure and satisfaction in Him. Your highest degree. Not in, 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 in those around you, in your, your spouse, or in your job, or in whatever. It's taking your highest degree of satisfaction in what God has done for you. And taking your highest degree of satisfaction in Him. And receiving the grace. And then living in it. Because when we live in grace, we don't have to worry about distorting the gospel. And that's where freedom truly is. Let's pray. Our Father God, we, we do thank you. Uh, we thank you for what we don't even deserve. Um, God, as we, we gather here and um, as we hear what you say, your truths and your words, and, and understand that we cannot add to your grace but we fully need to understand that we are a, a, a complete recipient of your grace. God, as, as, as we unpack that and as we take that and, and let that um, uh, be a light in our life to, 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 to show us what areas that we're, we're not being um, uh, open to and really obedient to your grace. Not falling under the law, but understanding that you have given us everything. God, I, 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 I know that, that, that we can look at this, and my, my prayer is 
complete honesty with you, God, with these people that are sitting here. My, my prayer is that we don't cheapen grace, that we understand that it, it did cost something. Not us something, but you. The cost of grace is the cross of Christ. So God, let us receive this unmerited favor and let us understand that it is supremely expressed. And your love is, is poured out for us as we look at, at what Christ has done for us so that we can come into relationship, so, so we can be the recipients of your grace. So Father, let that sink in. Let that hit hard. God, let us uh, do... Um, what, let, let us, I, don't, I can't even say do, let, let us be under your, your, your faucet here, Lord. God, we love you. Father, we ask this all in the beautiful name of Jesus.